Welcome to the Mythic Life Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Brummett, and today I'm joined by a friend of mine, Lucas Root. We're going to be exploring the balance between modern technology and spiritual ritual, along with exploring the energy of the goddess, what it looks like to embrace the living goddess around us. And I'm so excited to have you here, Lucas. I have known you for just a little bit of time and got to get the feel of how you hold this beautiful space. And we have some mutual friends. And I just want to thank you for coming on today and uh, being here. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me, Eric. It's a pleasure to be here with you. I've read some of your bio. I really want to just open up this space and hear from you this journey. You grew up in Vermont, is that correct? I did. I grew up in northern Vermont. The town that I grew up in back then had more people in it than now. And at the time, it actually had more cows and more goats than humans, which is exacerbated now. Yeah. That could be a dream for some people, I think. <laughs> oh, I loved it. I loved it. If my life path had kept me there, I would have been a happy man. My life path did not keep me there. <laughs> it's amazing how that happens. Just life unfolding and how it takes us on journeys. I remember when I first met you and you were running this book club on this beautiful book of the witch. You were sharing a pretty powerful story of wandering out into the woods and like, what was it like growing up in that way and being so in connection with nature? It was amazing. Outside of my relationship with the goddess, with Gaia, that I have developed since becoming uh, at least a young man, my relationship with nature has always been really very deep. And I owe that in part to my parents, certainly. And uh, in part to my blood, we are creatures of the earth. And uh, I've embraced that not so much consciously until recently. Mm. But just growing up in northern Vermont, out in the middle of nowhere, truly out in the middle of nowhere, and, and being free to just explore what it's like to be a vibrant human in the wild. It was beautiful. And from that journey and having some really powerful experiences then, I just really want to open up this space and hear your story. What was that sense of a mythic life for you? Thank you. You know, I like I said, I grew up in the woods. I played all the time. Life was just play. Even now, when I remember back, I don't remember school. I remember play. It's amazing. It's really cool. One of the things people talk about everywhere all the time in, in the world today is threats. And I get it. You know, I live in the world too. I don't live in, in the northern backwoods of Vermont anymore. I live in San Francisco. I'm very much in touch with what modern culture and threats have to say. But the thing about growing up in the woods, and particularly there in northern Vermont, was there are threats for sure. You get caught out in a storm and you might die of exposure. Uh, trees can fall on you. There are seriously dangerous megafauna out there, you know, bears and wolves. But all of the threats that you face, every single one of them is overt. It's obvious when it's coming. You, you never wonder why it's happening. You're never taken by surprise by it. There are no surprise threats in northern Vermont. All of the threats out there are overt. And 
What's great about that is that I didn't have to grow up with a constant fear of covert threats. You know, there aren't humans out there trying to take advantage of you. There, there aren't enough humans for it to be worth it. It's too much effort. There are no snakes. There are no poisonous spiders. You just don't have to worry about covert threats out there. So I grew up with this sense of boundless freedom, partly because I'm human and humans rule the world, <laughs> but partly because there's just nothing that you have to be permanently terrified of when you're out there in the middle of the woods in northern Vermont. And it's amazing. And, you know, I look around today and I don't see the same grounding in boundless freedom that I experienced and that I carry with me even now. Growing up in that type of experience and being so rural, what sparked you going in this journey that led you because you ended up in like New York City working on Wall Street, getting into tech. Like, I mean, that's pendulum swing of pendulum swings. Yeah, fun. So I went to school, I got good grades. I was a child of the go to school, get good grades, get a good job, work until you retire, retire at 65 era of thinking. And, mm -hmm. and we're seeing that change. And thank goodness for that. But I was a child of that, as were you. Yeah. And I bought into it. I went to school and I got good grades uh, and I went to college and I studied physics and mechanical engineering and math and public speaking. And then I went and worked on Wall Street. So I literally got good grades and went and got a good job. What I realized while I was in Wall Street was that not in a necessarily bad way, I'm not saying this from condemnation, but, but it was sucking my soul out. The work was not feeding me. It was putting food in my belly and money in my wallet. But because it wasn't feeding me, the hundreds of thousands of dollars a year that I was making, true, all of it just passed through my hands. It just disappeared. It vanished like smoke. And you'll notice this in people. When money is vanishing like smoke, either they are trying to exceed their income and lifestyle. And I wasn't really. That's not really what was going on. Or they're trying to fill a hole. And for me, that's what was going on. I was trying to fill a hole. I was in Wall Street doing work that was sucking the soul out of my body. Now, it was hard work and it was amazing work. And for somebody, that could be their life's purpose. But for me, it was not. You know, what I really resonate with that is I did have a very different path than that. But growing up, we do buy into a prescribed life. And it's not easy to actually recognize and develop into recognizing our spirit and what is compatible with what our spirit brings in. You know, for me, I grew up in Santa Cruz, California, and, you know, it's a small college town. We really did swap. And everybody around me is like surf culture and skateboarding and get a job that will support you being able to surf and travel. And like the ideal thing is to like become a fireman. You can retire early, all this stuff. And I was doing everything I could to maintain and try and drive in that goal. And it sucked my soul. I ended up completely depressed, right? For you going through that, how long were you in New York for? 17 years. Wow. It took me a while to come around. What drove you out of it? What helped you transition to that next chapter? 
you know, it didn't make sense to me until more recently. But there's a spiritual arc that's the other side of this story. Go to school, get a good job, go work on Wall Street. Like that's sort of the dream of parents that tell their kids that. And I was living it. And so there's that one arc. But then the opposite arc is the spiritual arc. So when I was a young man, and we've touched on this, you and I, a a couple of times. And of course, Mm -hmm. this is one of the things you love about me. I had an experience where uh, I was out in the woods doing my thing. Uh, I used to go out in the woods for days at a time. And this was one such trip. And I woke up one morning and I was surrounded by wolves. Now, at the time, the Vermont Fishing Game and Wildlife Service said that there were no wolves in Vermont. Maybe it was just an experience, but it sure felt real to me at the time. And it still feels real to me now. And by the way, my father also ended up catching a wolf on our front porch. Wow. In a similar time frame. So perhaps there were no wolves and we were both hallucinating. It's possible. Hallucinations are very real. <laughs> yeah. So you had this powerful experience with this pack of wolves and what transmitted through? What was what was significant other than obviously the magnitude of an experience of that? Was there a certain message that came through? There was. It was amazing. I didn't wake up in fear, which is perhaps the first thing that's extraordinary about this. When you're surrounded by a pack of wild wolves, probably there should be an element of fear and there was none. And as I sort of came to really sort of allowed the scene, the situation, the experience to come into me, the wolves started talking to me. Now, not through their mouth. It was something like telepathy. I don't really know any better way to describe it. And that still happens with me. It still happens with wolves. It also still happens with dogs. Dogs are not as clear to me as wolves are, but, you know, it is what it is. And they told me that they were there to train me in my relationship with Gaia, whom I now call the goddess. And so I spent the entire day working with this pack of wolves, learning about Gaia and connection with her and what a relationship with her feels like and what it could feel like if I grow into it. So I was I was 11 or 12, I think 12. And I spent the next five to six years, you know, my young adulthood, really growing into that. And it was amazing. It, it took my relationship with nature to a whole new level because now nature has a goddess and that goddess has consciousness and she's speaking to me all the time. And it was amazing. There were, there were some things that happened as I was, you know, coming into my twenties and maybe that's what we want to talk about, but I don't think so. And I ended up not deciding, but separating from Gaia sort of ending my relationship with her. It wasn't a conscious decision, but it was the result of decisions that I made that I probably didn't fully understand. A pin, right? A, a thing for us maybe to come back to or for other people to, to notice. Um, if I'd had great spiritual guidance, my guess is that at least I would have understood those decisions and maybe even I would have made them differently, maybe. Mm. But there aren't great spiritual guidance relatively publicly available. There aren't people out there saying, hey, you know, come and talk to me about Gaia and I'll help make sure that that as you're working with her, you don't do stupid stuff and walk away from her. More now, people like you, 
thankfully. But, you know, 30 years ago, that wasn't something that was simple and easy and easily available to me. So then I went and did sort of the polar opposite, as you pointed out, the pendulum swing to the other side, worked on Wall Street, separated from nature entirely, completely 100% utterly separate from nature in this 100% man-made, sterile environment. Yeah, going from that to this place of technology, right? Like you were kind of like the tech person on the back end of Wall Street. Yep. Not like a day trader, but like the ones making sure the day trader got paid and like <laughs> the numbers ran through, right? I was on M&A and uh, tech was a big portion of everything that we did. But my job was about really making sure a merger succeeded. And course, tech matters a lot. And it's a part of it's, it's a part of the reason why technology has been a huge component of what I've been in my entire career and continue to bring to the people that I work with. Yeah. And also process and people and culture, you know, making sure that a merger works is incredibly complex. And yes, I was making sure that those big merger bankers got paid. And so in transition because you know our our life really is in this way a chapter book like we do go through these eras and as much as we can look at things as like oh i stopped doing this and maybe that was a mistake of like not continuing on a certain path but ultimately i really truly believe that there are no mistakes I'm with you on that there's really meaning and reason to everything. And this idea of going from this life, growing up in this certain way, being invited and having these incredible mystic experiences with nature and with Gaia to then go to Manhattan and go into Wall Street and tech and finance, all this stuff. Where did that lead? What came through in in these what is considered such polar opposites. It was also an amazing experience. Um, I met my wife in in New York and we got married. We we started our life together there. And I told her about the mystical experiences of me as a young man. So, you know, early on in our relationship, she knew what she was getting into. Mm. Maybe she didn't really believe it. I think she did. It's possible she didn't, but I think she did. I think she really knew what she was getting into, maybe even better than I did at the time. And so I'd been on Wall Street for a couple of years when I met her. And, you know, we started our life together. We went deep into Wall Street together. And then at about 10 years, I turned to her and I said, all right, it's it's time for me to start looking for an exit. Now, I had the golden handcuffs that they talk about. And so I wasn't I wasn't in a hurry. So we spent a couple of years thinking about different ways to get out of Wall Street. You know, golden handcuffs are not necessarily bad. So taking a couple of years to do that isn't the worst. And then at about 13 years into Wall Street, I had a a major problem. My wife and I bought a new house. We moved in. It this should be the crowning glory of, you know, your your uh, early life and immediately started getting sick. And uh the more time we spent in the house, the more sick we were. And we are very healthy people. We, we were running marathons. We eat a, a very careful, thoughtful diet. And uh, we couldn't figure it out. We went to doctors. We ran up our credit cards. 
And over the course of that first year in the house, um, I gained 40 pounds. And we went from running marathon, truly running marathons, to not running at all because we just didn't have the energy. We went never getting sick to going, you know, back to back colds, you know, n- nothing serious. We weren't on our deathbeds or anything, but our vitality had been cut down to to a fraction, a shadow of what it had been before we moved in. And it took us about a year to realize that the house had mold in it. Yeah. Now here. About a decade after that happened, I look back at that experience and I realized that that was the goddess coming back to me and saying, I've been nice knocking on your door and now it's time for me to stop being nice and I'm going to break down the door. And I am infinitely grateful that she did because my life is so much more full and so much more beautiful and so much more fulfilling and rewarding. The conversations that I have with people like you now are lifting up our audiences in ways that they wouldn't have otherwise. And, and it's okay with me that I had to go through that experience to get here. Wow. I'm really sorry you did go through that. You know, toxic mold is such a tough one to, to navigate and, you know, healing crises are our greatest teachers in so many ways in that way, you know, and really embracing and recognizing that it was that, spiritual guide you know gaia really waking up and helping in that transition going through that what led you to embracing your relationship with her again so that was a decade ago it took me about two years after that first we had to get out of the house and and bring our brains back online mold turns your brain off by the way so we we had to bring our brains back online and then my wife and I sat down and had a really serious strategy conversation about, you know, all these things that we've been bandying about for years about how to get out. Which one are we going to actually execute on? And let's let's do it. Let's stop dragging our feet and actually do it. And so we did. And I launched my consulting company, SGIC Consulting, uh, eight years ago. Landed my first client, the Pokemon Company, with whom I have been ever since. And a couple other big clients as anchors. Now, it took a couple of years for me to get to the point where I knew that I was good. And by good, I mean, I had my bills paid. I knew that I wasn't going to need to worry so much about whether or not my clients were going to be with me next month or the month after. Next year, yes. But next month, not so much anymore. And the space in your brain, this is a lesson for people, the space in your brain that is taken up by worrying about tomorrow, next week, next month, is significant. It's a really big amount of space. And the things that you can do to free up that space are worth every effort. And I mean that truly every effort. There is nothing not worth freeing up the space in your brain that worries about next week, next month. Get a savings account. Work a second job for a little while so that you get yourself covered. Trust me, I I worked my butt off for those years. Start a business, you know, cut back on your expenses, all of the different ways to manage money so that you get to the point where you're not worrying about tomorrow, next week, next month. Once you open that space up, that's when true connection becomes possible. Connection to humans, amazing humans like you, Eric. Connections to the divine and your your spiritual pathway forward starts to become possible in the space that you create when you stop being afraid, worried, 
stress. It really does take that place, doesn't it? Of like having space enough in our mindset and emotions and energy body to be able to actually embrace something that can be a spiritual relationship. I was just talking about that today on a Facebook live of how if we aren't in a place of being able to have trust and faith enough, then we're going to isolate and cut off. And then it's just like mental adult taskmaster mindset that becomes so caging. It's really collapsing and creates so much stress. How do we tap into anything intuitive or spiritual or metaphysical that can be resources that we're not even considering? Once you start opening that up, life flows. And this journey that you're sharing, it feels like to lead to this relationship and get to a place where you have that sense of trust and confidence to be able to open up to something so fulfilling. In that bridge, what does it look like to really embrace the goddess, to really invite her in? She was a loving tap on my shoulder all the time. So for me, when I was on Wall Street, when I was doing my sort of anti-human, and that's not to say anti-culture or even not productive, just anti-human, I was for sure outside of what it means to be human. It was much more, as you said, execution machine. She was there the whole time. She never stopped lovingly tapping me on the shoulder. I was ignoring her. And when I realized that her tapping harder and breaking down the door, as I like to say, was a gift, I stopped ignoring her. I, as you said, I invited her back in. And it was beautiful. It was wonderful. It was like being estranged from your mother and then having her come back into your life. It was like coming home. Embracing that. What happened then? What what opened up this door to wanting to help others embrace that? Well, I've always wanted to help others embrace their humanity. And she called me forward to that desire. She said, you know, stop wasting time. That's not to say don't take time for yourself, but stop wasting time. Stop wasting time drinking too much. Stop wasting time on games. And yes, I'm a gamer. Of course, I work with the Pokemon company. (laughs) Stop wasting time filling holes in your soul. The way to fill the hole in your soul is, is to connect more with people and to connect more with the divine. And so I tried it. And it does take an act of faith to try it. And for me, it took the space in my brain not being full of worry. Mm. And then I could take that act of faith and test things out, test out being more connected to you, to the earth to Gaia, truths that I knew when I was a young man and forgot. That is absolutely beautiful. And a mythic life is free from the constraints of old stereotypes, led by an adventurous soul that is striving for joy, fulfillment of purpose, and the quest for higher growth and connection. A person who believes there is more than meets the eye that pursues personal development 
alternative medicine, lifestyles that are wanting to break free from the societal norms and explore their mystical abilities. There is greatness within everyone and a soul desiring for joy. And I was sitting and preparing for like connecting with you and exploring this. And something that was really coming through was how the sense of the goddess, you know, she lives within all things. She walks with us and works within us with everything historical. She is in all spiritual practices in all religions too. And even though many believe that she has been forgotten, she is here now and waiting for people to open to her once again. And this idea of really actually embracing and living with and working with people, I'm curious, how do you how do you embrace it into lifestyle? Is it in specific holidays? Is it in researching historical? Like if people are wanting to open up to this, where where's a good place for them to start of like really acknowledging the goddess? What a great question. She is everywhere. She's in all living things. She's also in all religions. Most people don't think about it, but we have in Christianity, probably one of the more popular religions, maybe the most. I haven't checked the numbers recently. There's the Virgin Mary. There's Mary, Mother of God, which is separate from the Virgin Mary, by the way. And then in Christianity, we don't ignore this, although we try to spend less time paying attention to it. There's Mary Magdalene. All different versions of a Mary and all different versions of the divine feminine inside the story of Christianity. The first thing that I did, me personally, is I started spending more time in nature and just connecting with nature. I'm a physicist by training. And in physics, there's a principle called the observer principle. And by the way, it applies to all of life. The observer principle simply states that the thing that you are observing is changed by you observing it. It is changed by you observing it. And the same is true in the reverse. When you are being observed, you are changed by being observed. Now, that could be in a weird sense inside a glass box with people ogling you. That's the weird sense of the observer principle. But then there are much less weird versions of that. Go out into nature and don't just take pictures of trees with your eyes. Because that's kind of what I used to do when I was in nature is I would collect memories of, of trees and flowers and, and beautiful vistas, taking pictures with my eyes. Stop and try to connect with the tree, with the flower, with the blade of grass, as though it's another living being, which we know cerebrally is true. We know in our brains that it's true that it's another living being. But now treat it like it is. And how do you like to be treated by other living beings when they're connecting with you? Me, I like to be greeted. So I go to a tree and I greet it. When I'm in the mood for it, I like to be hugged. And so I offer the tree the opportunity to be hugged by me. Now, trees don't have mouths and they can't speak to us in the same way as another human or even a dog can. But they do speak to us. 
And they do want you to notice them, and they do want you to give them the opportunity to speak back. That's what they want. And when you start to connect with them like another living being, they'll connect back. And it's amazing. You're going to start to notice that some of them want to be hugged, and some of them don't. That really is such this huge key of acknowledging the importance of giving something space to be in relation. A huge thing with the sense of observer is that usually when we're in the mindset of observing, there's distance, there's separation. And what I hear you really sharing here is actually having interaction within a relationship to embrace the living energy of it you know, and allow for there to be interaction both ways. And Mm -hmm. uh, something I'm always curious about and wanting to really help people discover, because, you know, what, what I do with training people in theta healing, and one of the first things we talk about in the basic classes is the observer effect, because like the technique is co-creating with creator, with the energy of all that is by setting an intention and then observing it happen through intuition and creativity, right? So like, that's literally the foundational basis of the technique. And so, so we give the whole history of the observer effect and how, you know, the photons are a wavelength when they're not observed and they're a particle when they're observed and upper level courses, we actually reverse it. When you get really far out there, it's how can you witness without particleizing it, Mm -hmm. right? Like the idea of mystic metaphysic experiences. I remember going on a hike in Scotland and I was so like in the flow of nature on this hike. And it was, you know, is that that twilight kind of eerie time, the lights a little different and it's this thick black forest, right? Thick black oaks. And all of a sudden it opened up to this huge tree. And as I approached and was walking towards this tree, my mind's like playful and creative and imaginative, right? But I'm walking to this tree with the intention, oh, this is an awesome tree. I'm going to climb it. And it starts to actually move in response. And my eyesight was like, am I hallucinating? What's going on? Everything just altered, right? So it's like, these types of places, how do we engage in reality around us without particleizing it, letting ourselves shift in our thoughts as the observer, right? So what I hear you saying is these, these little simple first actions of let yourself actually be in a living relationship with nature. Let it be responsive to you. Invite it in. And I absolutely love that. That's such a beautiful first step for for people to explore. And so for you and where you are in your relationship, what are some of those key pieces of how you open up to listening? How do you feel those messages come in? It started for me as a voice in my head. And I knew it was a voice in my head. I wasn't thinking that I could hear it in my ears. I knew I couldn't. It was a voice in my head. And I just started paying attention. Why Why does that one want to be hugged and that one doesn't? 
And then I noticed other things that confirmed that. So now I'm wondering, did the voice in my head come first or did these other things that now I'm noticing that make sense confirm it? So for example, a lot of times the trees that want to be hugged can be approached. And the trees that don't want to be hugged cannot be approached. There are things in the way. There are bushes and branches and overbrush and underbrush and vines that are keeping you back away from the tree. But which one came first? Was it the voice in my head or was it these actual physical things that are showing you that this ancient, enormous being that's hundreds of years old and in harmony with its environment has cultivated a wall around it? because it doesn't want to be touched right now. Which one came first? Yeah. It's amazing. When you start to see it and you your eyes and your soul are singing in the same wavelength as nature, and those keys start to really make sense to you. So it started as a voice in my head. And I don't know why everybody else talks about it being a voice in their heart or in their gut. For me, it was in my head. Yeah. And that's kind of cool. <laughs> And as I listened to it, and as I noticed these other patterns that were confirming, I started to trust it more. And I started to converse with my own voice in my head. So now I've got this, this tree's voice in my head, and I've got Gaia's voice in my head, and they're different voices. And then I've got my own voice, of course, which is its own third voice. And now I'm starting to have multiple personality syndromes at my table in my head. (laughs) And I love it. And I love it. I would have it no other way. (laughs) Oh, I love it. That is absolutely beautiful. Cultivating them gives that sense of discernment to, you know, the the voice of what is around us, the voice of our own thoughts and beliefs. And it's something that people usually don't question. Like they think, oh, I'm having a conversation in my head. What are you conversing with? You know, you, you think the conversation is just happening inside your head. What's the difference between that and clear audience? To what degree is it subconscious programming of your ancestors talking to you through their genetics or, you know, some spiritual being around you or the food that you just ate or the chair you're sitting on? Like, this is the beauty of intuition. And it really takes giving it space, you know, as you shared before, like really prioritizing clearing that worry. My, my teacher would often say, and it's an exercise we do in class of working through critical mindset and resentment, that if you actually freed all the resentment in your mind, there'd be so much space that you would become so light, you could levitate. It's amazing how much space things take up. On that, you asked the question, and I think it, it bears some thought because, again, I am a physicist. I'm probably not the first physicist you've had on here. I hope not anyway. But I'm a huge fan of the Marvel comics. And one of them in particular relative to this conversation, The Flash. We are made up as a molecular being. We're made up of atoms that are a little, little, tiny little bit of matter and an enormous amount of space. And our entire body is just this little, tiny little bit of matter and an enormous amount of space around every single atom. And then all of the atoms are stacked around each other to make molecules and all the molecules are stacked around each other to turn into what we are as a being. Mm. 
But at its core, we're little tiny little bits of matter surrounded by enormous amounts of space. And it's true for me and the desk and this computer and the wall next to me and behind me. And the reason that I bring up Flash, the reason I think about it all the time, and the reason why I I cannot separate metaphysics from physics is because we're so much space and so little matter that the concept of solidity is silly. It's just silly. Yeah. There isn't really any good reason why I can't walk through the wall. Now, I haven't figured out how, and the Flash has. And that's cool. <laughs> but to me, I'm space, the wall is space, the floor is space. There isn't really any good reason why we couldn't figure out how to just walk through walls. And it it's just a question of skill. Oh, man. Oh, that's juicy. I mean, because just getting to that place of, of the atoms and breaking it down into quarks and what makes up of quarks of this literally coating of color that's just a dance of light and sound like it really is this space of infinite possibilities of what can be and i love where physics is going because it's almost got to my favorite age <laughs> i love it i have teenagers and i i remember being one and it's so easy at that age to be a know-it-all, you know? And it's like science is so incredible. It's so smart. And it's kind of still in the know-it-all phase a little bit. And like it has it is exploring into this place of like realizing dark energy, dark matter, and like going into that. And being a tech person, I wonder if you may have heard this. There was a person that was looking at coding and technology and was looking at what they were exploring in physics of dark energy, dark matter, and threw out a reference to, I think, something of coding of like radio waves that possibly dark energy, dark matter is just information. It's not actual substance. That's why they can't see or quantify it. That it's this place of like infinite laws. We really are surrounded by so much incredible possibility. And the more we can address and look at our mindset in the way of personal growth and consciousness of like, how do we shift the way that we interact and think and feel? Like when you go into looking at all of history of the mystics. Right. And these far out stories of people teleporting and all these incredible things, there's stories of it. Right. But I can actually tell you why that's possible. And because it's possible, then it's just a question of skill. A skill of, of what, though? A skill of thought? Well, and you asked the question already that is the leading question to this conversation. The leading question is, how do you observe it without particleizing it? Yeah. And for the people who aren't able to keep up, I don't blame you because it took most of my life for me to get to the point where I can keep up with this conversation. Yeah. You know, how do you observe it without particleizing it? And how do you teleport are the same question. 
they actually are the same question. <laughs> that is true. You may, I wonder if you've heard of it before. In Santa Cruz, there's a place called the Mystery Spot. Have you ever heard of the Mystery Spot? Now that I have. It's a vortex. It's like this magnetic field that actually changes a compass. And they don't know exactly what it is, if there's some comet that hit or what. But when you cross a certain barrier, you actually like shrink a little bit smaller and stuff like that. I guess planes aren't supposed to be able to fly over the top of it because it screws things up. And they made it into an amusement park, really. Like they built a building that's at an angle just to like accentuate the fact that things actually roll uphill and stuff like that. Magnetism is different there. And I grew up in Santa Cruz. So like I went to it a lot as a kid. And when I was a little kid, it was really cool. And then as I got older and started getting kind of like analytical in my thoughts, I was like, oh, it's a bunch of crap, all this stuff. So anyway, fast forward, Viana, the founder of Theta Healing, moved to Montana from Idaho to Whitefish area where the entrance to a Glacier National Park is and stuff. And they have a place that's just like the mystery spot. It's this other vortex. And, you know, you can go and like test the vortexes and stuff. And I go there and they have very similar gimmicks, right? They have like the house that's tilted and all this stuff. And we're going through it. There's all these theta healers, all these metaphysical people. We're visiting it as like kind of a shop and stuff. And we're going through it. And because I grew up with the mystery spot, I was like, ah, yeah, this is all cool. I've done all this stuff before. And my thoughts were kind of negative, right? And there's this one place where there's a post and there's every quarter inch a line on the post. And the idea is that you touch nose with it so you can like see the line. And when you walk around in a circle clockwise, you shrink. And when you walk around it counterclockwise, you actually grow. And I was looking at it. I was like, really? I totally questioned it. I'm sitting there with Vianna and she's like, I know. I was looking at it and like thinking this is kind of strange and like was doubtful. So she had doubt and I had critical and she's like, but I decided I would change the way I was thinking and interact with it as a wavelength instead of as a particle. I was like, you're going to interact with it as a wavelength rather than a particle. Like what's that? And she's like, yeah, when I interacted with it as a wavelength, it actually altered me and I grew and when I interacted with a particle, it did nothing. I was like, huh, that's interesting. And I watched, you know, my wife, Sarah do it. And she's like being really in the energy of the fun of it. And it worked. And I was like, whoa, I did it. It didn't work. And I was like, ah, God, this is so weird. So I go on a little walk by myself and there's this doorway and it's a spray painted gold doorway. And it says magic on the door, open the door to magic. Right. And it's just a frame door. I walk through and there's a bench there. It looks out at nature and I love nature. So I go through the door. I sit there and look out and they have like a few fairy things out there. I was like, I really have to embrace my inner fairy. It's time to just get in that playful place. Like I need play here, right? We have to play. Yeah. I then come back and I'm like kind of giggly and like mischievous, playful. 
And I go and I walk around it and all of a sudden it started to work and I started to get taller. And it's amazing how much our mindset shifts reality in this way. And it's really going to be exciting to see how this works between physics and, you know, metaphysics, as we put it, of coaching and like consulting and growth. And, you know, I really appreciate what you're bringing in this way. It's something that obviously it's lighting me up. I'm just so thrilled. So thank you for that. Sure, it lights me up too. <laughs> <laughs> we are mythic life, free thinkers, deep feelers, courageous trailblazers. We own our myth with our vibes, how we think, feel, and act. We believe that love is a given, not something earned, that spiritual is sexy, kindness is cool, and earth is sacred, that everybody has superpowers and life is too boring without magic. We own our myth and we make it epic. And when life gets real, we heal. And I want to just thank you so much for coming in today and for this great insight into the goddess and these beautiful actions that all of the listeners here can really embrace of connecting with nature, recognizing that relationship. And, um, you know, for everybody out there, for more of, you know, Lucas, check him out, lucasroot.com, ecstaticway.com. He's on the socials. He's out there like, I, I just want to thank you for that. All, all the links are in the comments. And, you know, if this really speaks to you, if it's lighting you up the way it is us, uh, subscribe, check us out. This podcast is on the second and fourth Monday of the month. Thank you once again, Lucas. I'm so thrilled to have you here today. Eric, you are a gift to me and to your audience. Thank you for, for doing this. Absolutely. And I'm, I'm excited to see what we get to explore together. I know you have some incredible retreats happening in Sedona coming up here in just like another week or two. So really check out his website if you want to learn more and really embrace the sense of connections and growth of this relationship with the goddess and developing yourself. Check him out. I absolutely love this. And everyone out there get a part of this message you know the mythic life experience facebook group mythic life on youtube and instagram you know, we do have our healing circle coming up this wednesday check that out it's absolutely free cool event we do have towards the end of the month our basic theta healing training online it's going to be the first time we're offering it online and it's at the lowest price we've had it so check it out thank you everyone so much and see you all soon.